If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be barely powerful, and here's why. In this episode, we find answers to what makes the owl bear a terrifying foe, and how can you still use this classic beast when the party surpasses their power? And what do you do in that unavoidable circumstance of someone wanting an owl bear for a pet? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Travis, and I'm his brother Jordan. <laughs> That's Cadence. Sounded extra weird. <laughs> Thank you. And can we dial it back to barely powerful? Yeah, sure. We're a pun podcast now. <laughs> you made us this way. Well, uh, you heard it here. It's the beginning of the end. We're we're at our hundredth episode, and we're on our way out. Does that mean it's all downhill after your yeah. hundredth? <laughs> We've embraced puns. Oh. Uh, it's just gonna become a shitty kind of slow down. I'm going to keep it... No, I'm going to keep it exciting and fun. Okay. To celebrate our 100th episode, here's 100 ideas in 100 seconds. Ready? <laughs> Where are these coming from? Just wherever ideas come from. <laughs> <laughs> you have not prepared for 100 ideas in a row? <laughs> no. But here's one, for example, uh, mittens for your feet. Yep. Sure. Uh, chair in the bathroom. What is any of this... All right. Have to isn't a toilet a chair in the bathroom? Yeah, they're not all gonna be great. <laughs> oh boy, that's two. Um, yeah, no, podcast is dead. I'm declaring it now. Well, we could keep it alive by talking about what we're here to talk about in this episode, and that is owls and bears separately, not owl bears. Well, yes, we will cram them together into the classic and wonderful owl bear. Well, that's what they originally did. Yeah. <laughs> it was a weird cramming hybrid. Let's just mash owls and bears together, which, I mean, I kind of have some curiosities around why owls and bears originally. Well, reflecting on the creature that is, I think it's taking that massive muscle and power that is a bear and giving it the hunting prowess of a bird of prey. Because bears on their own are not that scary because all they're doing is digging for grubs and stuff. But owls? Owls the and the way they hunt? It is terrifying. I guess, yeah. No, that makes sense. I was just thinking, like, there's other more dangerous animals like scorpions or king cobras. Well, but I guess you have, like, a... You got a manticore, which is like a scorpion lion man face. Yeah, and that is pretty terrifying. But keep in mind, this is the only monster that I guess Gary Gygax himself came up with because he saw a little toy of a kaiju that looked weird and he thought it looked like a owl and a bear. Ew, <laughs> it okay. wasn't some deep creative. I, well, I wasn't going around slagging Gary for his ideas. I just, you know, kind of want to know the genesis of it. And yeah. if that's the true story, then that's kind of. That's kind of cool. That's a fun bit of D&D trivia. Yeah, that's what's floating around on the internet anyways. All right, so owls and bears. Yes, yeah, so the classic D&D monster. 
and they're the perfect introduction to that concept of traveling through these parts is unsafe. But the problem is that they're a little plain straight out of the book. They've got a beak, some claws, and an above average awareness. They can see you a little bit better than a person can. Yeah, it's kind of doesn't really inspire the fear that you want it to. Yeah. I mean, bears are terrifying. We've got bears in Canada. I'm a little shit scared of them every time I go camping. Yeah, because their curiosity could mean the lack of a face on your part. <laughs> it's it's terrifying. <laughs> How chill is your face? Bear curiosity. <laughs> but yeah, they're a great brutish foe for a low-level party. So in this episode, we're going to throw some horror structure around the owlbear and see what sticks. Well, the other trick that you kind of get into is once your party has kind of gotten a little bit more powerful, like once they've fought in the Lich King, an owlbear doesn't really pose that much of a threat. And the problem that I always run into with D&D and my party is that I go, okay, I'm going to build this really sweet horror encounter. And it's going to be in the woods, in the wilderness, and it's going to be dark and scary. And holy shit, here's a monster. And then everyone goes, can I ride it? <laughs> uh, exactly. I guess. <laughs> oh, I want to keep one as a pet. Where are its eggs? I'm going to raise them as my own. <laughs> I'm going to mother bird my breakfast into this thing until it's fully grown and I can saddle it. Yeah, that's a 10-year campaign kind of thing, talking about <laughs> raising an owl bear, but we will address that in the second segment. So, let's start with that Lamash 2's breeding pit and figure out what an owl bear is. This is Lamash 2's breeding pit, where the most vile and deadly of creatures are birthed and unleashed upon doomed adventurers. So like we usually do, you have consumed an inordinate amount of information regarding owls and bears. This is correct. Two fabulous beasts of the natural world. So as we typically do, we want to add a little bit of structure to this. So we're going to start by taking a look at the original beasts of the owl and the bear. And we'll take some inspiration and pepper that in using our horror construct and we'll devise something kind of new hopefully something a little bit original even though we're deriving inspiration from two very real creatures so let's see if we can test your animal facts here so since you've been consuming so much information about these two creatures let's start with owls and the first thing that i think of when i think of owls is kind of stealthy predators. Heck yeah. They are amazingly stealthy. Like more so than any other bird that hunts. Because they've got these specialized noise-canceling feathers on the leading edge of their wings that actually break up the air as it comes in so that it doesn't make a peep. Weird. Yeah. I watched this particular video of these scientists that were trying to figure out exactly how quiet. And they had all these different birds flying over super sensitive microphones and most of the birds like pigeons and hawks and all this stuff were just making a, a whirlwind of sound. <laughs> it's about as stealthy as a foghorn. <laughs> yeah, it was like a tornado going over. But then the owl did and these two guys sitting there listening with their headsets 
couldn't hear anything, and it barely registered on all their devices. Wow. Yeah, that's stealthy. I mean, owls are known for wicked hearing. Yeah. I mean, they've got that dish-shaped face that literally funnels the sound to their ears in the most perfect way that nature has ever developed. Well, those creepy barn owls, like that, that's, their whole face is just a satellite dish for sound. Yeah. And it's so precise that they can hear a left-right time difference between their ears of 30 millionths of a second. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Beyond one millionth, I mean, really, what's the difference? But that sounds insanely fast. Yeah. Like, so whereas you and I would just say a sound came from that side of my entire body. (laughs) No, not even that. It's just like, wait, what? And then we sit up and then we swivel all the way around (laughs) looking for the... And then we just go, ah, maybe I was hearing things. Yeah. If I'm going to die soon, I guess that's my fate. (laughs) But an owl can triangulate prey with those ears in three dimensions with incredible accuracy, which is nuts. Wow. They also strike me as pretty remorseless predators. Absolutely. Big owls are known to eat smaller ones all the damn time. And they get real small, like they get about the size of your finger. That's particularly heartless. Like, I get an owl eating a harmless, defenseless mouse just, you know, sunbathing in a field or whatever mice do. Yeah. Imagine if there were large humans... That went around oh, just snacking on the smaller ones. That That's on- cold. That only exists in fantasy, and they're called hill giants. <laughs> but yes, that would be terrifying in the real world. And then, of course, they consume their prey, defile it as they're tearing it apart with those freaking talons. Yeah, and beaks. And then they add a little insult to injury by regurgitating the once was you back up. Here's your once was you? Yeah. (laughs) This is your remains. There is a skull and some various bones. It would be very hard to be a member of an adventuring party in that state, for sure. But yes, owls regurgitate all the non-digestible stuff that they eat in a pellet, like you were talking about bones and fur and all that stuff. And when they're owl-sized, they're pretty fun to dissect, according to Canadian middle school science. But when they're owlbear-sized... That's going to be something that can truly mess with your players. Like a massive hunk of nasty remains of someone that they're looking for or a group of other adventurers. Well, as you kind of mentioned, they're growing up in Canada. Of course, you know, this is a middle school science project. You get an owl pellet and you pick it apart with tweezers and you try and see what's inside. But yeah, like you're saying, those pellets are not small either. Like, full skulls and things like that. So we're talking skulls and, like, fully formed femurs that are maybe broken in half or something like that. Yeah. That just get barfed back up in a hard lump. And don't forget that if an adventurer was eaten, you might even get some bits of armor and special items in that pellet. Oh. Yeah, go treasure hunting. Yeah, that's a good way to see <laughs> if your players are disgusting enough to go rooting through <laughs> an owl bear's pellet. That's why I only make nasty characters. And one extra detail about those pellets is that one theory on the wisdom of owls, why we always associate them with wisdom, is that owls know what to use and what to discard. Oh, by 
<laughs> I am wise because I choose to blow chunks of my heavy night of being out on the town. Yeah. Which makes me very wise indeed. No, no, no. That is a stupid human behavior. <laughs> Do not confuse that with the wisdom of owls. The other thing that owls are obviously known for, gigantic peepers mm -hmm. that they use to like pinpoint things, but how good are they really? Well, their eyes are pretty amazing. And some of the crazy parts about owl eyes that you might know is that they, of course, can't turn in their sockets. I Owl eyes are actually tube-shaped. What? That's why they have to turn their entire head. And that's why when they're looking at you, they are looking directly at you. That's bizarre. Yeah. That's why they get those bendy necks. They don't, they can't, it's impossible for them to give you side eye. Yeah. Huh. And the other kind of neat thing I found about owl eyes is that the color of them actually denotes when they hunt. So we always think about owls as being nocturnal, but not all owls are. Owls with yellow eyes actually hunt in the daytime, and that's why their eyes are yellow. Owls that hunt at dawn or dusk have orange eyes. And this all makes sense when you get to owls that do hunt at night because they have pure black eyes, which are adapted for camouflage. Because if they kept those yellow eyes, their little mouse preys would see them coming. Which I think is a very cool idea for owl bears in D&D. I know it's not based directly on this adaptation, but what if owl bears do have black eyes, but they become yellow when they lock onto a target because their pupils are shrinking with that focus. Oh, hell no. <laughs> so you're not sure if you see an owl bear until it focuses on you and then it comes a charging. Bright yellow eyes. Yeah. Pinpoint. Ugh. No. Well, and then going back to that owl wisdom, they do seem to use their resources very wisely. They seem very precise and intellectual. Yes. And most of what I found was just the fact that they're so efficient at dive bombing their prey. But I found this little detail kind of neat. Some owls, when they want to check out who's lurking around their territory without being noticed, they'll do their owl call, their hoot hoot, but they'll intentionally soften it so it sounds like they're actually very far away when they're really in the tree right beside you peeking through the branches. Okay, we can use that for <laughs> yeah. some owl bears. Holy shit. That's a juicy one. Okay, so we've got an owl bear that is not just the big dumb brute that we like to think, the big wild animal, but the cunning animal that knows if it's hunting something to throw off its prey. Exactly. That is terrifying. They don't have to be simply the big old stumbling brute that falls onto the road in front of the party in the middle of the day that you use as a wilderness encounter. Yeah, with heavy air quotes. Yeah, <laughs> I did those in an audio format. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the terror of the Canadian wilderness bears. Sure. Now, bears I really think are cool, but... There's not a lot to use from bears for this conversation. Their main contributing factor is their size and power, which let's talk about for a second because they're over 1,500 pounds, which is 680 kilograms. 1,500 pounds is sizable. Like, I, it's difficult to kind of wrap your brain around that, but like, like the heft of a car, that's, and not like a new 
light aerodynamic car, but like an old 90s Ford Taurus, <laughs> like a hefty wagon. Yeah, about seven me's. <laughs> Equally <laughs> terrifying. All lumbering towards you in a pile. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is that is a mammal tank. Imagine a car parked on top of you. That's what that feels like, to have something on top of you that big. Yeah. And then talking about their power, they have an incredible bite strength, obviously, for being such a huge animal. So a human has a bite strength of about 126 pounds per square inch. Okay. Getting... And a human could take a bite out of a human, I suppose. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Or, you know, a particularly tough orange you could get through. <laughs> but uh, a grizzly, well, before we get to grizzly, let's give you another example. Dogs have anywhere between, like, obviously you got really small dogs, but generally between like 300 and 700 for the biggest, okay. toughest dogs. Sure. And, I can think of some pretty big, tough dogs. Yeah. And grizzly bears, they have about 1,200 pounds per square inch bite strength. That's skull crushing. Yeah. Kind of power. That's easily 10 times as much power as you got with your stupid human jaw. <laughs> no good. No bueno. So that's the power we're talking about. Uh, they do also have some speed that's notable. Grizzlies can run in short bursts from 35 to 40 miles per hour or 56 to 64 kilometers. Yikes. That'll catch you real quick. That's, yeah, that's highway speeds. <laughs> Or darn close. <laughs> a bear is just running down the highway. <laughs> Headed to work. And like I mentioned, they mostly do just root around for roots and bugs and small rodents, honestly. But one of the more intimidating bear hunters are polar bears, which they're extremely patient. What they like to do is find seal breathing holes and then wait there for hours. Just wait for seals to breach. Yeah. Get a little quick breath of air, only to find that they're breathing in the air of the inside of a polar bear's mouth. Bummer. Ugh. And my final note on polar bears is just to think about their endurance and patience, because when polar bears have to head to land because the ice is starting to melt, they swim for literal weeks sometimes. That's too much. Yeah. This thing is a remorseless, tireless hunter. Yeah. The terror because I can barely take a bath for an hour. <laughs> Anyways, let's try to make some of this make sense for D&D. All right. So if we want to use our typical horror guide, which is the guide that you can find on our website, hookandchance.com, go to the resources, and there you will find our horror guide. And in essence, what it does is it allows you to pace out a reveal of a monster like this. If it's meant to be a terrifying encounter and you don't want it to just be a throwaway monster, you can do a lot more with it. If we pace things out from a normal condition and give all of our players a sense of what is normal so that the rest of the steps have more impact and get more of an emotional response, then we can get into steps like developing unease, dread, then terror, then true horror. And horror is typically when you see the monster. So you can use our horror planning guide 
it will help you slowly dole these out. We can also talk about different types of horror, like psychological horror and gross out horror and unnatural horror. So what we need to do now, if we want to actually put this into some kind of format so that we can use it for our next game, is we need to lay it out in some of these different aspects. So you and I can brainstorm some of these owl and bear facts into an owl bear facts laden <laughs> horror encounter. Indeed, the mythical owl bear. So under that first step of normal, so under that first step of normal, we want to present the world as not dangerous so later it can get dangerous. So I think we want to add some like flavor of the forest. Assuming that of course, like I think owl bears like bears can exist in almost any climate. Sure. I mean the jungle has bears. There's arctic bears. Yeah. There's forest bears. There's jungle bears. We got it. Yeah, you can do them anywhere, but wherever it is, make that place come to life in a positive way. Yeah, it has to feel comfortable and lovely and welcoming with bird songs and little squirrels <laughs> collecting their seeds and nuts. It's got to feel like Snow White is comfortable there. Like she's going to just kind of settle down in a field and things are going to come to her. That's the kind of vibe that we need to get in order to truly make the owl bear encounter horrifying. Yeah. They could even run into like a traveler expressing how much they've enjoyed traveling along these safe natural roads perhaps it's somebody that's more in tune with nature like a druid or a ranger that's saying yep it's all good here you know it might be interesting to encounter the natural prey of an owl bear in this like lovely and alive setting you know for instance if the rest of the animals in this area of the forest are a little bit more attuned and comfortable with humans so maybe they actually just are able to hand feed deer or something like that just to really like we're gonna twist the screw <laughs> later on yeah i mean speaking of twisting the screw you could always throw that traveler in there later too as a victim <gasps> of the owl oh, bear no <laughs> oh that's awful okay so now we need to build a sense of unease this is Basically, where we want to introduce the fact that there is an owlbear out there. I think in D&D terms, this comes in the form of maybe a quest that's going to involve that owlbear. Well, since we're tossing owlbears in on travel encounters, I wonder if there's just like a roadside stop-off. You know, a little roadside tavern, sleepy little place, nothing much for a town. This is like a hunting and trapping trader's post kind of thing. Yeah. And there we can really establish that psychological horror of just, like you said, hearing that, man, there is a predator in these woods. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's a general sense of unease is what we're trying to hit. Maybe they get that information because a courier that was coming to this post was terrified by something and dropped their MacGuffin. Oh, yes. And now that courier wants to hire the party to go and get it. Yeah. Something pursued them and they dared not look back. <laughs> they can't accurately describe it. All right. All right. And they had to go flat out. Oh, that's why. They didn't drop it. They ditched the weight. Because it was, they could hear it behind mm. them, chasing them, and the horse could only go so fast. 
and they had to drop their whole pack on the road in order to go fast enough that the horse could carry them faster than this thing was pursuing them. Totally, because the horse is the only way you'd outrun uh, sprinting owlbear, Oh we yeah, discussed. And that horse <laughs> has to have some pep. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty cool if you want to keep that owlbear behind a wall until they get out there and discover that's what it is. Yeah. But there's a part of me that thinks that revealing it as an owlbear isn't the most like dramatic thing to reveal. So maybe they do know it's an owlbear. And how they know? Well, I mean, a trapper could have simply come into contact with something like this before. And I do kind of like where you're going with this, because revealing that it's an owlbear and letting players do the dismissal of the owlbear. Yeah. No, it's just an owlbear. We can take that. We can take an owlbear. But then that trapper explains their tale. Maybe they're, you know, that lone survivor from a battle years back that happened okay. in the fields that are in the territory of this owlbear now. Yeah. What if they were part of a platoon of soldiers and they were that only survivor and the rest of the platoon was wiped out? Yeah, like the their side won maybe and their platoon was limping their way back to town, but his buddies were taken out one by one, leaving him to be the only one that caught a glimpse of this thing. I wonder if it still bears the scars of this battle. So this is not just any owlbear. This is an extra tough, like, scarred. Maybe part of its fur has been burned or something like that. Well, if we want to touch on the unnatural side of horror, because owlbears kind of are a natural creature to me, so we want to touch on that. Maybe some kind of a spell affected it, possibly as it was going after a wizard, but the wizard was casting quickly, and, and as the wizard was getting devoured, the spell engulfed them both. What would a wizard cast in the event of an owlbear attack? If an owlbear is about to rip out my guts, maybe I'm casting something like stone skin on myself. That would make sense. So, in this scenario, this owlbear might have a permanent disfigurement of partial stone skin. Yeah, it's got chunks of that spell gone wrong still on it like jutting rock pieces that it still carries on a shoulder, almost like armor. Almost like armor, but also you can't tell if it is or not because maybe it's real nasty and like the skin around it is all rejecting the stone, like it's red or something like that. Uh, ooh, <laughs> that's, that's rough. Gross. All right, so now we need to move on to Dread. All right, so this is where the party's out in its territory, and we can do things like get those reflective massive eyes deep off in the forest. We don't want them to be able to come face to face with it yet. We just want to start to creep the party out. Yeah, I think we definitely need the sounds of twigs and branches crunching way off in the distance. Keeping in mind that they are super stealthy. So this is possibly a part to start introducing that distant sound, whereas the owlbear is actually much closer than it appears to be. Yes. Ooh, that could be interesting to hear the sound of the owlbear coming from a distance, but then one just randomly misplaced step by the owlbear and the 1,600 pounds that it is yeah. snaps a twig in the foreground. Yeah. And then you're like, where the hell is this thing? <laughs> and this is where you'd throw in... You know, they're finding the pellets of the owlbear in its territory with those skeletons and nastiness to the extreme. 
Oh, and some recognizable piece of clothing that the traitor was wearing. <laughs> yeah, gotta be. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe we could even play with uh, the natural elements around. Like, what if wolves ran up to the party, and as soon as they're bracing for impact, the wolves keep on going because they're scared. That's really good because if you played this in such a way that the party doesn't know that it's necessarily an owl bear that's out there. You know, you went the other route where the merchant couldn't really describe what was chasing him. You just heard a cacophony of terrifying gnashing of teeth and sounds and breaking trees and stuff like that. Well, then the party might think that the wolves that are charging towards <laughs> them, this is the monster. But then only to have the wolves, yeah, like you said, continue to hype-tail it past them? Yeah. That's interesting. And then they hear something come to a halt and kind of go the other direction just before it gets to them. Yeah, and we can do like that stillness of the forest playing off of the liveliness that we set up in the normal stage. We can really emphasize how dead quiet the woods are when they're being hunted. As far as it's sound, what do you think? Would it be a grunting of a bear or the hooting of an owl or some kind of a hybrid? I would want... I I don't know because I know that the next phase is us attempting these sounds and I don't want to go there. <laughs> I think starting with a hoot would be good because it's less frightening and then building up to more of a bear sound. And it? then it goes low at the tail end like a bear oh, grunt. So you're asking me to do uh, it. A hooagug. <laughs> hooagug. <laughs> yeah, that's an owlbear sound that'll terrify every player out there. What still jumps to my mind, though, the bear from Annihilation. Like, something truly unnatural. You don't have to go with a scream or something like that, like they did in that film. But just something that doesn't sound like anything else not quite right yeah yeah touching on the gross out part this is another true fact about burrowing owls actually is that they have a secondary food den besides their main den and this is where they store their decapitated prey holy shit <laughs> so there could be other owl bears in there other adventurers this is serial killer level shit. Yeah, that's nature. Ugh. It's a twisted place. Why is it always so awful? <laughs> well, it's just the fun stuff I like to find. So the party could come across the owl bear's second den. Yeah. That's truly heinous. You could even, if you wanted to get real heinous like you're saying, you could even throw a living person in there. <clears throat> nope. Nope, with like broken legs, <laughs> and that's why it can't get away. Something real bad. Whatever you want to dream up. I'm not uh, going to dream those up yeah, for you. No, because that stays with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the smell. Don't forget about the smell, because that could give them away when it's they get close. It's going to be powerful. Yeah. And bears will actually rub themselves on dead animals so that their prey won't smell a live bear. They'll just smell something dead. Yikes. Which is logical for when you're hunting a rat. But when you're hunting a human, it's going to scare the shit out of them. And it's such a great way to get scavengers to come directly to you. Yeah. The party's ranger is going to smell that downwind for sure and say, oh, there's something else dead over here. Like, it's going to be clear as day. Absolutely. 
then when the ranger realizes that they're not getting any closer to the smell, that the smell is now moving, <laughs> and oh my god, here's some tracks. Shit, we're following it. <laughs> and it's also following us. Oh no. And you've also got things like the bluff charge that a bear will do, which as it gets closer and closer to the party in that terror phase is going to be great. Like it's coming at you and just darting away at the last second into the darkness. Bears do that, huh? Yeah. Ah. They're trying to scare you away so they don't have to fight. My fear of bears grows. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, let's wrap this up with that horror phase. This is where we reveal it. And I think when we do that, it would have to come out strong and hard at the most isolated target. It's probably going to wait until an individual does separate from the group to any degree. And you're going to have to obviously deal with how strategic your players are being with this. 5, 10, 15 feet apart. Yeah. The first person that goes for a bathroom break. <laughs> we never do that in game, let's be honest. <laughs> and then as the druid is looking at the patch of wild mushrooms, a unbridled death screech and it closes in it goes for the kill smelling of death from rubbing itself on that last kill its feathers matted and streaked with blood and gore it's got those rocky outcroppings on its flesh and of course it goes for the pin it goes for the grapple with the you know teeth on the throat yeah absolutely and for inspiration for how that final charge is going to look the other day, we just rewatched The Revenant, and there's a bear attack scene in that movie that rocks us to our cores. Oof. I cannot, it just, it turns my stomach just to think about it. Yeah, but that's great for thinking about this kind of thing. And then, of course, we've got the stone skin that we can pepper in there. We can add a little bit to its AC to make it a little bit different to stop those metagamers in the group from accurately predicting how to hit it. Yeah. If we're modifying the actual abilities of this creature, I'd also give it an action that allowed it to find someone in hiding. Like if a rogue is trying to hide in the combat. Oh, yeah. You can't. Not with these suckers. I'd also consider giving it a follow-up to its claw attack that allows it, like you're saying, Travis, to pin a medium or smaller creature on the ground, prone and grappled, because bear weight on you is hard to shrug off. Yep, 2009 Ford Taurus sitting on your <laughs> chest. That's how it goes. Yeah. So I hope that helps. All of that horror is certainly fun for me, but it only kind of works if the party is really low level and an owlbear can actually do some damage to them. As soon as the party climbs over that level, you have to do something pretty different with the owlbear because obviously if you build up the terror and then the barbarian just clubs it with his hammer and is dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of weak. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of the wind out of these sails. The owlbear naturally, without any adjustments to its stats, this is going to be a CR3 monster. Like as soon as your players are starting to come into their own, as soon as one of them or two of them knows how to accurately and precisely wield a weapon these things become less and less of a challenge unless you're ready to beef them up totally so with that changing dynamic i think the owlbear kind of becomes a symbol of the natural world maybe it's even something to be protected as you know many species of both owl and bear are in our world because again if you just smack an owlbear down dead it's kind of a dickish thing to do at that point so we need other ways 
to then use owl bears. Like basically, once your party is all past level three, this whole episode becomes kind of irrelevant. So how do we use some of this stuff beyond level three? I think there's some different kinds of quests that you can still use them in pretty interesting ways. What if you had an escort the owl bear kind of thing going on? So a small group or an individual owl bear could need to be herded to a new location. Maybe so that it's not in danger from being killed. Maybe in a giant cage. I'm not just herding an <laughs> owl bear. Well, that's the fun of the adventure. You got to do it in a way that keeps it alive because if you get too close, it'll attack you. You could also save the owl bear. You've got to maybe remove the last owl bear from a dragon's territory or something like that. See, I like those kind of challenges because trying to get a wild animal that typically could do some decent damage yeah, out of someplace alive, like parties are pretty darn good at killing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> trying to keep stuff alive, that's a more interesting challenge. While maybe trying to hide from a much more powerful foe at that point? Hell yeah. Something that's attuned to their level. Yeah. Or maybe you simply have to get through a particular territory without killing any owl bears. Multiples. Yeah. Like maybe there's a lot around and a group of druids that you just left told you, if you kill any owl bears, we will come hunt you down and kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so you may travel through our lands, but don't you fucking touch those owl bears. <laughs> <laughs> that could be pretty good. I like that. Because then, as the DM, you can torment your party the whole time with owlbears. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, this place is lousy with owlbears. <laughs> owlbears be making babies all over the place. Yeah, they're a pest. Well, if we recap some of the takeaways here, owls and bears are both interesting, cool, dangerous, uh, all of the other neat adjectives. Absolutely. If the owl bear holds the power, you can build yourself a horror adventure. And if the party holds all the power, then you can build it into some kind of protection or escort adventure. And the last thing that every party is going to do at some point is try and turn an owlbear into a pet. Whether it be an adult or a baby, a snuggly little owlbear cub, they're going to do it. So we're going to discuss that in Grandma B's schoolhouse. But before we do, let's head over to Griffin Street Market. Must have provisions and supplies can be found for the right price at the Griffin Street Market. Are you a gardener? Yes, you are. In that case, I've got something just for you that'll either make your garden more impressive or protect it from pesky deer or garden thieves. Hmm, that's quite a sales pitch. Thank you. It's a lot easier if I tell the customer who they are. Who they are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why do market research when you can just tell somebody? <laughs> I've got a bag of beans that creates wonders wherever you plant them. And I would imagine that you want wonders, correct? Wonders are great. Everyone loves wonders. This one can grow magic potion fruit. That's cool. You would love some magic potion fruit, wouldn't you? A sure win. And this one erupts with a beer geyser. <laughs> the, like the bean or the fruit that grows? <laughs> Never mind. I'm sure you want a beer geyser as well. <laughs> Yeah, you invite over your friends. Or or this one that makes a, a mummy lord's pyramid appear. So maybe don't plant this right in your garden with all the other stuff. Uh, just, okay, hold on. Sorry, sidebar. How do you tell one that bean looks a lot like that bean? Well, you got to look really close. This one's got a tiny freckle. 
Wait, it's not on that one. Maybe it's this one that does the mummy lord, and this one that does. Holy fucking shit! That's dangerous. Okay, so hello, mummy. I have a wonderful gift for you, for your lovely garden. Oh my god. Oh yeah. shit! I grew a pyramid outside your country cottage. Well, that could happen. The odds are pretty low. God, where do you get these dangerous items? And there is one that can conjure literally any monster in the world, unfortunately. Holy shit. Okay, we need to flush those. All right, fine. This next thing is actually really good for you, though. It had better be. You've got a <laughs> lot of catching up to do. It gave me something for my home game that I'm going to pick from to introduce the Xanathar, a oh. massive beholder in my Waterdeep game. A mouth which opens so wide it almost bisects the creature's corpulent form is a phrase that will be uttered. Cool. Yeah. We're talking about Descry. They've got 1,750 growing lists of box texts for you covering spells, monsters, places, NPCs, items, they're all system agnostic. When we started talking about Describe, they had 1,400. Yeah. In a couple of weeks, they've, they're up to 1,750. By the time you're listening to this, maybe they've got 5 million. Those are busy writers. I'm not, <laughs> okay, maybe don't overshoot for 5 million. All right, 2,000. But they really do help get your point across. Yeah, and the amount of different things that they're describing is super impressive. So you gave a little list of things, but when I go on there, I see things like uh, unique NPCs that people actually write in and get them to describe for their campaigns. You can go in and pull a, a really cool description of an NPC that you can just plop right in. Who wouldn't want professional descriptions written by professional writers for their home game? And there's so many that your players can go wherever they want and you'll be ready. You just quickly search a new one. And a quick life hack is that you don't even have to tell your players that you didn't write these. You can go ahead and flex on everyone. Yeah, just roll a high enough deception on your players. <laughs> I am a genius wordsmith. Well, I think we need a little example. All right. Well, here's one called Jungle Hills. A tree unmoored by recent rains, has fallen down the slope and torn at the surrounding forest giants, opening a window through the canopy to see some of the surrounding landscape. All around you, vibrant green cascades of jungle tumble down from high peaks and ridges. A shrill cry from some beast comes from beneath the treetops of a distant hill, and soon it is echoed by similar calls from the trees somewhere to your right. I'm transported. That's so vivid and vibrant. Exactly. We're in a jungle now. That's how it works. So if you like that, you can check out that and many, many more at describe.com. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B dot com forward slash hook. And then you can use our promo code, which is super hard to hack, it's hook <laughs> and get 10% off and tell them we sent you. 
All right, now let's get over to Grandma B's schoolhouse. Folks come here to Grandma B's schoolhouse to gain knowledge and apply the history of their realm. Jordan, you know that monstrous, huge, tank-like killing machine? Well, I would really love to tame it. Well, <laughs> that's dumb. That's a bad idea, right? That's what I said as a DM the first time, but that just made the party want it more. <laughs> so we're going to have to deal with this. No matter how ridiculous it is, there are going to be party members that want to saddle or bottle feed an owlbear. And when I'm playing the game and not DMing the game, of course that's me. Of course I'm that player. Because <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> you want to do stuff that's hard, that's crazy, that's, you know, a little bit unique for your character. So first, I think we should talk a little bit about what taming is and why certain animals are harder to tame. So we can wrap our heads around this a little better. Yeah, you were actually telling me some interesting differentiators between domestication and taming. Yeah, I find it super fascinating. So domestication is when an animal species is bred in captivity. And there are some things that determine if an animal is worth domesticating to humans. Things like, do they grow and mature quickly, making them efficient to farm? Do they breed easily in captivity? Meaning, like, some animals, when they're stressed out in captivity, are not going to breed. And can they undergo multiple periods of fertility in a single year? Do they eat plant-based diets, making them much less expensive to feed? Are they hardy and easily adapt to changing conditions? Because that's going to make it a lot easier for me to keep these suckers alive. And do they live in herds or do they have ancestors that lived in herds with some kind of a social hierarchy, making it easy for humans to jump into that? So all of those apply to creatures like cows and sheep and stuff like that. Yeah, this does not scream owlbear to me. No, the owlbear actively goes against every one of those qualifiers for a domesticatable animal. You might even call it undomesticatable. <laughs> Purely undomesticatable. But taming is when an animal is taken from the wild and adapts to being around humans. And when you see truly tame animals, the ones that are unbelievably comfortable around humans, you know, in those fun videos, they're often the second generation or more that has been tamed, meaning that their parents were tamed first, so they learned that human accepting behavior from their parents. And I think an important distinction is that there is taming, but it is still a wild animal. Yes. There, it's not yet domesticated. It could do some wild things that you really did not expect. Yeah. Domestication is generations of animals living the same life. Taming is grabbing one from the wild. And so taming an owlbear realistically would be hard as hell. <laughs> That's the understatement of the day. <laughs> There's a couple of famously tamed grizzlies that I came across looking into this. Uh, Brutus and Jimbo. They're both extremely comfortable around their human owners to the point where they wrestle with these bears and play with them and, you know, treat them like friends. I don't, you know, props to these folks for taming grizzly bears, but you do not play and wrestle with grizzly bears <laughs> you just do not get killed by grizzly bears that's the main goal of a human grizzly interaction <laughs> for sure every day i go out into the yard and i not get killed by grizzly bear 
<laughs> in this little office, we do a pretty good job at not being killed by grizzly bear. That's why we stay here. Yeah. So bears like this are born in captivity, which means they're unable to be released. They don't really have some of those wild behaviors that help them survive, which kind of sucks. But the cool thing is that they were able to be used to educate people about the behavior and danger of bears. And that's rad. So if we're actually going to deliver any kind of value here, other than bears are untamable, what alternatives could we have for those wanting to tame an owl bear rather than instantly taming a wild one? Because I feel like that's always the expectation. Look, bear. Now let me spend two <laughs> to three and a half Minutes. hours, maybe a full session of downtime, eight hours, and this thing is going to be best buds with me. Yeah, that's extremely unlikely. Well, I think if you're really desperate for an owl bear pet, then you're going to have to do a little more legwork with your character creation. So like you could have grown up alongside an owl bear that was tamed by your parents, like a kid and their dog kind of thing. Okay, yeah. I'm comfortable. I'm familiar with owl bears. That's why I want one. Well, not just that, but the owl bear that is your pet could be that owlbear that you grew up next to. I see, yeah. You know, if you do want to encounter it along the road because you haven't been planning this the whole time, at least make that owlbear a creature that's been tamed by some other group that you encounter in your travels. So the only real challenge there is getting it to adjust to you, not humans in general. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. At the very least, from a player perspective, I'm going to have to give my DM a lot more to go on like, say, telling my DM that I'm leaving breadcrumbs for this owlbear to follow or that I'm, you know, I have this fresh kill of a deer and I'm going to leave slabs of meat for it to follow me and see me as more of a resource than necessarily an owner. Or, you know, a piece of food. <laughs> the next bite of the kibble <laughs> that is being delivered to me. Yes. We are all merely food to owl bears. And in that downtime, how am I describing to my DM that I am working with this owl bear, that I am taming it? If you're going to integrate some kind of mechanics, they're going to come into effect in these downtime scenes of you training your owl bear. And I think that's where we can even get into some like how well do you train them versus how many consequences are there from the training? Because this is a dangerous experience. Yeah. Even just play fighting with this thing. You know, something that you're going to do years from now. And the only way you get from point A to years from now is with a whole bunch of arm scars. <laughs> yeah. And this really doesn't add any mechanical effect to your character. But it's going to allow you to get this, you know, squeak an owlbear pet over the plate of your DM by giving <laughs> a little bit of reason and uh, importance to this experience that was attempting to tame an owlbear, that you have extensive scars on your arm from some of the claw marks and the beak marks? Yeah. Of this owlbear. Yeah. And I think it'd be pretty fun to play through some specific scenes that are kind of like a montage scene of training an owlbear. If you did want to kind of get it out of the way so that you could move on with an owlbear pet. Yeah. So we're talking like skill challenge scenes where maybe you have to roll a few successes before a few failures. 
See, I like that. That adds a little bit more variation into that same, you know, just descriptive drama of saying, I've got a bunch of scars. Let's find out how many. Yeah, exactly. Let's roll some dice. So you could do scenes like getting it to take food for the first time. On a failure, you're going to get that permanently scarred or injured hand. Before it's totally trained, you could have it get outside of whatever way that you're enclosing it in some kind of a populated place would be especially bad. Well, you're certainly not going to walk into town with this thing on its leash, so you're going to have to figure something out. You could do a training it to attack scene. On a success, it's a badass moment where it rips apart your straw person that you've set up. You did it. You told it to attack and it attacked. <laughs> on a failure, maybe it sits down, makes a roar, puts a massive paw lazily against your face. <laughs> and doesn't rip it off? Yeah. Wow, like, it's making some serious progress. <laughs> That's great. True. I just like the idea of that lazy sitting on its butt bear, especially if it's wearing a hat or something, because that is another fun fact of those tamed bears. A quirk that you could put on yours is that they often will try to imitate their owners. They'll do human-like stuff, like walking on two legs, not to reach anything, but just to act like humans. Really? sit at tables and actually eat from plates and bowls. So what other quirks could a tamed owlbear potentially have? Well, you can kind of go wild with this as far as like animal personality traits that your owlbear could have. And there's a couple from actual human pets like parrots that you could use. Like the fact that parrots, when they're bored or, or not having it anymore, they scream they just like yes, start annoying the crap out of you or biting, you know, not deadly biting. You could have them dig big ass holes like dogs and bears often do. But again, on a owl bear scale, you wake up from sleeping in the middle of the night and your owl bears just made a scene from the movie Holes. <laughs> There's just tons of them. And this idea came from Hey Dare Lila on Discord. Thank you very much. But you could... Maintain control over your owl bear. It responds to your commands more when you've got a toy of its or a particular object that it likes. See, I like that because now all of a sudden there's a lot of different questions that get raised by something as simple as that. Like what happens if you lose its exactly. favorite toy? Now you've got some stuff to work with. Your DM's got some ways to torment you. And one final little quirk that I think is great, bear cubs I like to climb up to the top of springy saplings and ride them down. Use that. That's fun. Yeah, kind of panda bear behavior right there. Yeah. Always tumbling, falling off of stuff. So we've gone from horrifying bears to panda bears in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> what a delight. Well, if you want to help contribute to some of the episodes that you have heard like folks like Hey Dare Lila do, you can always join our Discord I truly hope you've got something juicy to use the next time you think about including an owl bear in your games. You can tell us about them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Reddit. Hook and Chance, that's us. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. We're 100 episodes in, and with your help, we'll get to 100 dang more episodes. Consider sharing this podcast with your friends. Uh, post about it on Reddit. However you want to spread your enjoyment of this podcast, it all helps as we continue to slowly and surely grow 
and share passion for this wonderful game with one another. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening and, and tame a wild games. animal today. <laughs> do not do that. And Hook and Chance is not liable for anything you do by listening to Jordan. You can tell. <laughs>